Hello, hello. There we go. How's everyone doing tonight? Good. Okay. So how many of you guys have that like that go-to spot that you guys hang out with, with your friends on the weekends? See, growing up, me and my friends, we had, we had this designated house that we always hung out, on, hung out at on the weekends. It was one of my best friend's house, who I'll call John. So every weekend, usually directly after Friday, we would hang out at John's house for sometimes the whole weekend. And the reason we always hung out there was because his parents, his parents didn't care what we did. So we thought that they were the best parents of all time, not caring where we went, what we said, or what we did. And this led me to, to honestly build up anger towards, towards my parents. When my parents would tell me no or ask me to do chores, I would always start with, but parent, or John's parents let him. John's parents don't make him. And almost every time I got the same response, I'm pretty sure you guys have gotten before. Do we look like John's parents? <laughs> and so if I'm being honest, this made me build up some anger and resentment, resentment against them. And me being a dramatic middle schooler, I felt as if, if my family was broken, if they were fractured. But if I'm being honest, I'm pretty sure that everyone in here could go around and tell their version of a broken family. Because we all have one. In one way or another, it lives in this constant t- tension. You don't slam doors and yell, but you're constantly feeling that anxiety. You feel it when your parents talk about money. When they talk about jobs, you feel it when your brother and stepsister walk in the room. And you feel it when certain subjects come up. And they shouldn't cause conflict, but they do. And you don't know why, but you're scared to go home. You feel anxiety every time you walk through the door. And it's stressful. For some of you, maybe, maybe you've had secrets in your family and you finally discovered them. Maybe you discovered things you didn't want to know about a relationship, a legal problem, or a bad decision. And now because of those secrets, you feel like you can't trust your family anymore. You feel like you can't trust your parents anymore. And for a lot of you, Maybe your family had experienced what we call an earthquake of an event. Something's happened and it's shaken up the whole family. And things don't ever feel like they'll go back to normal. Maybe it was a divorce. Maybe it was a death in the family. And you thought that just once, once you got through this trauma, that things would go back to fine. But they're not. And it feels like It feels like your family's never going to be back to normal. And now, now you're scared. You're scared to get close to another family member again. You're scared to get close to another friend again because the one that you were close to is now gone. Regardless of your family story, it is important to remember that every family isn't perfect. See, I I think deep down we all know that that family should be better. That family should be happier. That family should be more forgiving. 
in our minds, minds we have that ideal family that we all wish we had. But we don't have an ideal family. We have a real family. And that, that space in between, that's what causes the pain, the tension, the hurt. And that's why we respond in one of two ways. We either count our, count our family out or we count ourselves out. And because of that, we like to think that that, that tension, the secrets and the, the wounds, those are written in permanent marker while we and our family are written in dry erase marker. Easy to be counted out. See, maybe, maybe you count your family out because after your parents got divorced, you thought you lost authority in your life. So you were done respecting them. You decided your stepmom isn't a good role model, so you're not going to listen to her. You decided to shut one of your siblings out because of something they did and it hurt you. See, whatever the reason is, we use our family members' mistakes as an excuse or a reason to include, exclude them from our lives. We say things like, like, I don't have to listen to you because whenever I did, this happened. I don't want a relationship with you because you did this to me. Or maybe we count ourselves out. And we don't say it out loud, but we've given up on our families. We isolate ourselves. We stay in our rooms when we're home. Sometimes we might think, my parents won't show up, so I'm done showing up for them. My family's a bunch of hypocrites. I can't wait to get out of here. I know I've been there. And now we're just counting down the days till we're gone. I'm sure a lot of us have felt that weight of wanting to just pull away from our family. And deep down, we know that that's not true. We know that that's not the best idea. But what are we supposed to do? Aren't they the ones who are supposed to be fixing that? See, what if I told you that there may be an idea that you've never heard of that could shift the way that you view your family forever? That's what we're going to talk about today. You see, Jesus, he had a long history of working with imperfect, different or dysfunctional families. There's a lot of them recorded in the Bible. And the cool thing is that God never written any of them off from where their family came from or what their family did. One of the most famous people in the Bible is a man named Abraham. God promised Abraham that, that, he, that his family would form this great nation. And Jesus actually came from that nation, which is really cool. And before this great nation was formed, Abraham, Abraham had to have one kid. And so he had Isaac. And then Isaac had eventually had two kids named Esau and Jacob. And that's where the family drama began. You see, when I think of their families, it reminds me of my brother and I. My brother is a quiet kid. He likes books. He doesn't care what people think about him. And he likes to listen to the rules. Me... I'm not the quiet kid. I like sports. Unfortunately, I very much think about what people think about me. And I don't like to listen to rules. And that, that's the same for Esau and Jacob. Esau's a hunter, a warrior, a man of action. And Jacob is this artist, 
this thinker, a poet. And this difference in their lives, it caused a lot of tension, as it did for me and my brother. And, and so if we fast forward in their lives, there's this thing called a birthright. And so back then, a birthright was really important. It's, it was given to the oldest son, and it was something that the younger siblings didn't get. It's either more money, become the leader of the family, or most importantly, to receive the blessing from the father. So it was a big deal back then. And Esau, being the older brother, he got that birthright. So one day, later down the road, Esau was out hunting. When he arrived home, he was hungry. He wasn't just any kind of hungry, though. Imagine you just got done running four miles, which for me, that's a lot. And, and you're hungry. And you feel like you can smash a whole pizza by yourself. Imagine that times 10. I can imagine that's a lot how Esau felt. I mean, he thought he was going to die. And so, so he comes home one day, and he, he's hungry, and he smells Jacob cooking something. And so he just asks him for, for whatever he's cooking, and that's whenever things go sideways. If we look in Genesis chapter 25, 27 through 34, the boys grew up, and Esau became a skillful hunter, a man of the open country, while Jacob was content to stay at home among the tents. Isaac, who had a taste for wild game, loved Esau, and Rebekah loved Jacob. Once when Jacob was cooking some stew, Esau came in the open country, famished. He said to Jacob, quick, let me have some red stew. I'm famished. Jacob replied, first sell me your birthright. Look, I'm about to die, Esau said. What good is the birthright to me? But Jacob said, swear to me first. And so he swore an oath selling his birthright to Jacob. Then Jacob gave Esau some bread and some lentil stew. He ate and drank, and then he got up and left. So Esau despised the birthright. See, this, this is a classic older sibling, younger sibling drama. And it's an ancient story, but we see it play out in modern day. Family drama has always been around. So if we fast forward a couple days or a couple months, Isaac was dying. Isaac is their father, and he's dying. And Jacob did, in fact, get that birthright from Esau, in which, in response, that, that led Esau to be bitter and build up anger. So much anger that he decided the only thing he could do was kill Jacob. And when Jacob heard of this, he ran away with no intentions of coming back. This, this is family drama to the next level, something that I hope none of you guys have to go through. But, but I don't want you to miss this. Jesus came from that family. God knew their mess. He saw how imperfect they were, but he didn't run away. He used them. Not only did God, God use this family, the book of Hebrews records the story of Jacob and Esau as a celebration of faith. If we look in Hebrews 11.20, it says, By faith, Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau in regard to their future. Here's what's amazing about all of this. The writer of Hebrew, obviously, he isn't celebrating the chaos in their family. 
They aren't being held up as a model to follow, full of lying, deceit, and threats of violence. They are mentioned to draw attention to who God is. A God who can take any challenge, hurt, or dysfunctional family and bring good out of it. Here's the thing. Whether it's your family or family you know, there's no family story that can't be rewritten. There's no family situation that God can't ultimately use for good. Because from God's perspective, there's no family you can't count out. And there's no person in a family you can count out. God is never done. Even in our worst family moments, our family story is never over. Because to God, you are not like family. You are family. And even if you can't see it right now, we can trust that God has a plan. For some of us, as difficult as it is to believe, it would be a game changer to know that God is not done with our family. It doesn't mean that things will never be difficult. It doesn't mean that things will ever be perfect. But knowing that God can redeem even the most challenging family situations, it helps my perspective. The simple act of believing God can use an imperfect family might be one of the greatest acts of faith. And it just starts by knowing that your family story isn't finished. Because family, family is thicker than water even when things get murky. Family is thicker than water even when the tides get tough. Family is thicker than water even when things don't seem picture perfect. Because everybody who lives at your house is imperfect. And when they mess up, don't write them off like it's the end of their story. So don't. God is working even whenever it doesn't look like it. So don't count them out. When your dad never shows up, don't write him off forever. When your mom loses her temper, don't write her off forever. When you and your siblings get in a big fight, don't write them off forever. And don't count yourselves out. You don't know what's going to happen next. So don't check out just yet. When the chaos and your family takes over and it feels like it's too much, don't isolate. When the arguing feels constant, don't run away. When you're aggravated or annoyed, challenge yourself to hang in there, to keep talking, to act like the people in there matter to you because you know that they do. I'm not, I'm not saying to, to put yourself in a dangerous situation that's physically or mentally going to hurt you. What I am saying is that, that there's a difference between dangerous and annoyed. And I don't want you guys to get those confused. Because I don't want you guys to count yourself out. Because if you guys count yourself out, you may miss on being part of an incredible story that God is trying to write in your life, in your family's life. Because fixing things that we want to label broken is what God does best. He takes chaos and he uses it for good. Because even though a broken family is never God's plan. Taking broken things and pulling good out of them is what God specializes in. For some of us, we may never see that purpose in the, in the plan, the hurt, 
the struggles. We may never understand why our family has to go through this, why we have to go through this. But what we can do is we can trust. We can have faith. Have faith that God will use this pain for good, that even though we may never understand or see why, we can trust God. So take heart. Have faith. Faith in what God can do. Because God has a purpose for you. He has a purpose for your pain, your struggles, your doubts, and your family. Maybe for some of us tonight, that pain has built up for so long, and we're just ready to give up. We're done. If that's you tonight, I want you to understand that you are not alone, that there are people in here tonight that are going through the same situation as you. But not only that, but there is a God who loves you, a God that cares for you, and he's walking there right beside you. So tonight, I want to invite you to give that pain morning, give that anxiety of coming home every night to him, the stress of waking up every morning, the hurt behind every conversation with the family member. Give that to him. Because if that's you tonight, please don't walk out of here without talking to me, Lucas, or a tribe leader. We want to help you. We want to help you navigate this confusion this hurt, this not knowing. And for a lot of us, what if we went home tonight and we treated our family like like we're thicker than water? What if we treated our families like our story isn't finished, even though there might be friction? What would change instead of thinking of ourselves and our families as written in dry erase marker? We thought of them as written in permanent marker. What if we started believing that God could work even in the biggest challenges, fears, imperfections, and hurt? See, I know, I know for some of you that seems impossible, but I want you to hear me when I say this. We serve a God of the impossible. And so as we head into small group tonight, I want you guys to bounce ideas off each other. Talk about your struggles. Encourage other people's insights. And just look, above above all else, remember that God hasn't given up on you. He hasn't given up on your family, so you don't have to either. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for bringing each and every one of us here today. There's a reason for it. Whether we may not see it now, we may never see it, but we can trust in you. Father, whatever family situation we have going on, I pray that we can lift it up to you. Lift up that pain, the hurt, the struggles, the stress, the anxiety, and give it all to you. Father, use each and every one of us in here today. As we go throughout the week, protect us. Father, we love you so much, and we thank you for everything. It's your name we pray. Amen.